So astrology, again, it's, it's just like a natal chart, a person's life. It validates a lot of the trends that we are seeing right now. So to make a financial astrology over five and 10 years future very short, we are transitioning from an age of earth to an age of air. A lot of things to do with money, to do with job, to do with career, will transition from a very earth-based economy, aka industrial revolution, material accumulation, mm-hmm. hoarding, capitalistic society, centralization, governmental top-down control, capitalistic corporate CEO to bunch of staff and employees. It will transition from this kind of economy. And, and again, from in terms of value, it is cohort cash. It is money and mineral, that kind of value, tangible property, things mm. that you can touch, you can see, you can taste. It is mm. transitioning to the realms of the air, whereby it is all about human ideas, human creativity, human ingenuity, that money turns from material to digital, turns from tangible to intangible. And it's not only money, it is value too. This is the Conscious Economics Podcast, and I'm your host, Rhiannon Roslin. This is the place where we explore people, planet, profit, and art through the lens of the new economy. If you're interested in changing yourself, getting more creative, or changing the system at large, then this is the podcast for you. Tune in every other week as we explore these topics with amazing guests. We'll go deep, we'll go heart-centered and soul-felt as we go into how we change ourselves and change the world. Hello, Conscious Economics family, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. Do I always say that? Because I truly am. I'm always so excited at the incredible guests that we have, and today is no different. Today we have Carway on. He is a global citizen, born on Christmas Day, and he is actually a shamanic astrologer and a holistic health and life coach. He works for an incredible startup that is based out of the U.S. that is revolutionizing the way that we understand our emotional imprinting and wounding to help us shift consciousness. So that organization is called Liberate. And that is actually how I met Carway, doing some collaboration with that organization. You know that I love astrology first and foremost, and I had never heard of shamanic astrology. And so I ended up having some sessions with Carway myself. And then of course, I ensured that the whole team at Conscious Economics had sessions and it has been profound. So Carway is a polymath who's explored and mastered many areas across health, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, leadership, business, and bringing all of those together to collect the dots to really understand what is happening right now on the planet, what is happening individually for ourselves and through the greater collective as we go through this transition from the old economy to the new economy. And so this is exactly what we talk about today. We explore economy, business, the future of work through the lens of astrology. And for those of you that are new to astrology or you're hesitating thinking, oh, this episode sounds too out there, too woo-woo, please, please, please give it a chance because you will see that this is so much more than a traditional concept of understanding astrology like through a newspaper and reading about a sun sign, a predictive astrology. This is deep cosmology. This is so fascinating beyond what we could even imagine. And Carway, with his knowledge and his acumen around history and psychology and human behavior, he takes us on this fantastic journey. So do enjoy this incredible episode with Carway, our in-house now shamanic astrologer. Well, what a way to start this podcast during a Mercury retrograde. I'm here with Carway, the shamanic astrologer. And of course, we already have how many technical glitches <laughs> this morning. So it's such an honor to have you, Carway. Just to give you a little context, I always start off the podcast by telling the guest why it is that I have asked you to be here. And so as you know, because I know you've listened to the show a little bit, this podcast is about bringing conscious economy, new economy leaders, people that we admire and see really walking the walk on 
on this path toward a new conscious economy. And I remember when I first met you, we were instantly connected and a friendship was born and I admire you. I have learned so much from you. You have guided our team at Conscious Economics and our our official in-house shamanic astrologer at this point. So it's just such an honor to have you here and for you to be able to share some of your story and wisdom with our listeners. So I hope that gives you some context. Oh, yes, that's oof. And likewise to you, honored to be here in, oof, I wouldn't like, this is a new feeling like, oh, wow, I'm actually one of the guests in Conscious Economic Podcast. Like I listen to the podcast. I love a CEO. I love your work. I love the entire mission that you guys stand for. And we will see this interesting topic, the intersection between Conscious Economics and astrology. Yeah, so excited. And the listeners know that I am uh, astrology obsessed (laughs) and I find a way to somehow incorporate it into everything. So this makes lots of sense. But, you know, what's so special about you is that you also started your career in finance and economics and then you are now a shamanic astrologer. So do you want to just share with us your journey? How did you go from that place to where you are now and what has led you here? This is a long story, but in short, I would say it's it's a lot of Asian culture, Asian upbringing, whereby we are still very engrossed in the materialistic, patriarchal, you know, make your family proud kind of culture, mm-hmm. whereby when you're an Asian kid back then, it's either you're, an, you're a lawyer, banker, engineer, or doctor, or you're a failure. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of analogy to it. I was very engrossed growing up, and I come from a business family, and I'm the youngest of four, four siblings, all boys. Hmm. All the siblings are pushed to pursue business, to pursue anything to do with money, because the ancient Chinese belief is if you're in business, you will never starve to death. It's very materialistic point of view. It's very profit-driven. It's all about the investment. It's not about humanitarian contribution or purpose or meaning. It is all based on that. And I pursue a business degree like a good boy. <laughs> I fulfill my father's and parents' expectation, just like most people do. Mm. And eventually the big crisis point, awakening point for me, it's hitting around 26. And I remember like back then I was in corporate banking, was working probably a 14-hour shift, wow. was doing mechanical kind of robotic job yeah. just to keep the money engine circling the banking industry. So that really steeped into, do I really want to do this for the rest Mm. of my life? That kind of big existential question. And also during that time, my father is having a chronic illness. Mm. He has a terminal uh, 10 years of dialysis that he eventually passed from it, which in itself is a miracle that he survived that long. That was kind of like the tipping point for me, the job and the family thing. Do I quit my job, my very secure, highly paid well-compensated job to come back and accompany him in his remaining years, months of life. Eventually, I did that. I came back and accompany him and like be with him over his final seven months of life, which is in 2018. And yeah, after he passed, it's, it's a sense of liberation in that sense, a sense of yes. lifting, freedom yeah. to be, which got me into so much trouble, <laughs> so many rabbit holes, <laughs> so many paths <laughs> to go on, like like. Studying health, studying consciousness, studying astrology, going to a consulting job, going into the health and mental space, taking all I learned from finance, from business, from consulting, from the corporate realm, Mm -hmm. and applying it into an industry that needs so much more contribution, effort, value in in it, which is in the entire consciousness and health. And it's already been four years, five years, so still very new to this industry, but know something to talk about it. (laughs) So yeah. Wow. What a powerful story. And I admire, you know, it's very young to have these kinds of existential questions and realizations, although you may have some theories around that as to why we are getting younger and younger as we start to question these things. Maybe it's a good way to segue into that question as I've been learning with you, and I've been studying astrology casually just out of interest since I could read, probably, you know, five 
five years old, six years old, I would ask to get taken to the bookstore and I would instantly go into the new age section and try to find books on, at that point, my son signed Virgo. And so it's really interesting when I came and I met you because I had never heard of shamanic astrology before. A Scorpio moon, I absolutely love it. It's completely connected and felt so right. And one of the things that you taught me, and I'd love for you to share the audience, is how there's a natural evolution happening on the planet and that our generation coming up is actually designed to have these existential questions coming earlier. Could you share a little bit about that? I'll share a lot. This is a big topic and I will preface it with this. There is a lot of schools of astrology under the sky. There is a million types of astrology, just like a million types of yoga. And different astrology has different purposes, different orientations. Predominantly, I study a form of astrology, which is called humanistic astrology, under the lineage of Dane Rujard, whereby it is not about fate. It is more on free will. It is not about prediction. It is more towards alignment of soul path. It's more the Western free will camp instead of the Eastern faith prediction, this is going to happen camp. Mm. So it's not to say one is better on the other or one is right or wrong to the other. They both have different purposes. And choose your astrologer or diviner wisely, <laughs> which comes to this. So I come from a school of astrology called Turning of the Ages Astrology. The name itself, it's called Totems, Totems Astrology turning of the ages mystery school. It's, it's interesting because we are so much more beyond an astrological school, although we promote ourselves as an astrological school. The key gems of totems is actually on cosmology and the entire cosmological history of humanity. How did humanity came to be? What is the story of humanity? Where did we come from? Where are we going? And what the hell is happening now? <laughs> Which comes to this. My teacher, Daniel Jamario, always says that astrology is the highest of the lowest mysteries, is the highest of the lowest sciences, that literally by studying astrology, you can apply it on so many different realms and life topics that we will discuss today, including yes. finance later. Yes. On a cosmological level, on a historical humanity evolutionary level, humanity goes through cycles of creation, change, and destruction. We have been through multiple extinctions before, and we will continuously be in multiple extinction before. Mother Earth will continue to survive while the next human generation will go extinct and go and will, will thrive in a civilization. Humanity goes through dark ages to golden ages. It is the entire realms of the world ages, a mm. 26,000 year cycle, we mm. say. And if the audience is familiar with astrology, oftentimes they know that astrology will have 12 signs. 26,000 years broken down to 12 signs is approximately 2,100 years. Every 2,100 years, we will go through the age change. And the popular thing among the astrological school nowadays, it's called the age of Aquarius. Yes. We are entering an age of Aquarius. And because we are at this precipice, this cups, so a lot of astrologers debate the exact turning of the ages, the timing whereby we are turning. Mm. But from the works of my, my mentor, my teacher, Daniel Jamario, we estimate it to be between 1962 to 2034. Mm. The fascinating thing is always, if you think about it, if you reflect, and both of us are not born yet at 1962, but mm. we, we live through majority of this 70 plus time period. It is said that it is the exponential age. It is the age of networking. Mm. It is the transition from the age of earth to the age of air, from material to network, from tangible, solid money to ideas and communications and, 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 and innovation. Mm. History itself tells us after 1962, like after the internet was born, when industrial revolution hits its peak, when all the technological revolution has been coming, when you see multiple collapses, like millennials are the generation that lives through the most economic crisis in their lifetime compared to any previous generation before. Wow. Like we are under an acceleration of time, we say, the turning of the ages. Mm -hmm. the, the famous quote I like to use is, there is a time whereby there are decades when nothing happens. We are in a time whereby weeks when decades happen, wow. aka COVID. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so resonant. Mm. And it's actually comforting to know that this is shown in the astrology, that we haven't done something wrong, that this is actually just exactly how it's supposed to be. And it, it's funny because the question of right and wrong comes up. Oftentimes, because we are among the turning of the ages, we are at dark ages. We are descending into the deepest depths of Kali Yuga in the Indian Vedic tradition. Mm -hmm. Kali Yuga, we are far away from the golden ages. The age of Leo back then, mm -hmm. 13,000 years ago. We at currently at the 20th, 2000 plus is entering the dark ages, the Kali Yuga. So things may seem that, oh my gosh, everything is wrong. The economy is collapsing. The nature, we are destroying it. Everything may seem wrong. But on a bigger cosmological scale, it is meant to be. Mm, mm, there mm. are dark ages, golden ages. And historically, the golden ages is three times the period of the dark ages. And the souls, the interesting individuals who chose to incarnate and be alive in this very momentous turning of the ages moment is definitely here to experience multiple lifetime in one lifetime, to learn to clear karma, pursue their dharma, and ultimately to contribute in their own unique 7.8 billion ways mm. in humanity right now. Mm. It's so beautiful to see it that way, and I do see it that way. I know that I chose to be here at this very difficult but exciting time and that us being mm. here right now and anchoring some of these technologies, ancient wisdoms and collaborating them with new ideology and new wisdom is exactly what we need in order to lay that bridge work for that golden age to not lose everything mm. in this, you know, dark period of destruction of the fall so to speak. So this is really beautiful. And one thing you did mention is that Pluto placement has a lot to do with it. And this is a very slow moving outer planet. And you had mentioned that our generations before us, so like our parents' generation and our grandparents, they would have these Pluto squares, I guess, later in life. And we're having them yes. earlier. Can you chat about that for one sec? This is such a perfect correlation. So this is the analogy, like, you know, our grandparents' time, people born in the early 19th, grandparents' generation, they would have gone through life like, if I'm born a farmer, I will die a farmer. If I am born a horseman, I will die a horseman. That has been transitioning in our parents' time, whereby in our parents' time, there is still job transition, but less than five. In our generation, it's like, you know, you go through identity death, identity crisis, identity deaths, identity rebirths every four years, yeah. <laughs> every two years, that kind of situation. Yes. <laughs> it has a lot to do with Pluto. So it's, it's interesting. Astrologically, there are 12 signs. So imagine a circle cut into 12. There are 12 pieces of the sky, 12 sections of the sky. Yeah. If you go out later to view the night sky, to view the daylight sky, you will see that like whatever you see up there is 180 degrees, six mm -hmm. sections. And yeah. whatever you don't see below land makes the other 180 degrees. Mm. It's a 360 degrees on a vertical axis. Yes. So it's the sky is cut into 12 pieces and all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the most classic one is the sun. The sun moves through each section of the sky approximately every 30 years equally. Most planets move through it equally, except for interesting planets, interesting asteroids such as Pluto. Pluto moves through the different sections of the sky very ecliptically. It passes through certain signs very fast. It passes through signs very slow. So our parents' generation, they were born under a generation whereby Pluto moves very, very slowly in the sky. While our generation, the millennial, a Pluto aspect, a Pluto square, a Pluto opposition, comes very early on. It gets even earlier now, around age 35 onwards. It's a lot of identity crisis, a lot of surrendering, a lot of composting, a lot of death and rebirth of a new identity. Mm -hmm. What is no longer serving must be surrendered and released, mm -hmm. such as what is meant to be the direction we're meant to go, is allowed an opportunity to birth and unfold. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the phoenix bursting into flame and rising from the ashes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can attest to that. Yes, it's so interesting that you're saying that the grandparents' generation and our parents' generation experienced these kinds of Pluto transits when probably in their later years. Like, is it after like 60? 60s, 70s, for a previous generation, our great-great-grandparents, probably 110. Wow, so they might not even have had oh, it. 
Yeah. They never will have one in their lifetime. Wow. And now we are experiencing it in our 30s. Exactly. Wow, wow, wow. I think it's just so special and I wanted to bring that point up for everyone that's listening and especially for there's multiple generations that are involved in conscious economics and I really honor all of the different generations. I think it's so necessary that we work and understand each other before the, you know, millennial generation that's listening and the Gen Z underneath. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you know, I feel like we get this constant story from the generations above us that we are too finicky or we don't know how to, you know, pick and choose or we're just like too much almost. And really it's part of our design because we're here to evolve during this evolutionary revolutionary time on the planet. So I think it's so beautiful and thank you for sharing that. I want to go into practicality for a second and I know that both of us love that. I know you're a Christmas baby with your Capricorn, you know, born on Christmas day. So if we get into that little Capricorn, how can astrology be useful for business? How can astrology be useful for those that are entrepreneurs running their business? How can we use it in a way that is practical and logical? Ah, this is an interesting question. When I was preparing for this podcast, I know it's conscious economics, but the deeper question beneath money, a job, and a career, what is beneath money, job, and a career? It is about dharma, mm. life purpose, mm. meaning. What is in alignment, aliveness? And oftentimes, I always ground back to this sense whereby the medium, like money is but a tool, a means to an end. It's not the end. So right. what is the end in that sense? Right. Astrology itself helps a lot on this. It helps a lot with self-knowing, self-acceptance, self-understanding, self-alignment, self-authenticity, self-transformation, self-transcendence. Literally, it is a tool to know yourself so much on so many different lens of perception. We can apply it to life direction. We can apply it to the career. We can apply it to relation. We can apply it to health. We can apply it to your approach to finance. We can apply it to parenting. It is so multifaceted. It is so flexibly adaptable. It offers so much interconnected wisdom to it all mm. that it's fascinating on that level that it's literally, it does not provide a fixed set of answer for people. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that, oh, because you have this chart, it's, that is deterministic. Because you have Virgo rising, therefore you're going to be a nun. That, that kind of analogy <laughs> that some certain astrologers love to use, which yeah. I, I really detest. And it is more on a set of intention, a set of instruction, a guideline to attune yourself into how would you take this set of instruction to manifest in your life. And oftentimes I always share with people, trust yourself, trust your body, trust your heart, trust your mind, trust your intuition. Oftentimes, the astrologer, you know you better than any astrology, mm -hmm. but astrology can give very interesting perspective to deepen down into. First and foremost, always trust yourself that you are on your path. And whether the astrological reading or consultation stirs something in you and follow that, follow that bliss, as Joseph Campbell said. Mm. So as folks are listening to this right now, some may be familiar with astrology, some may not. What we're saying here is that astrology provides this really beautiful blueprint to your life in all of these different intersections. And that absolutely, when we look at questions around business and like you said, career and money, what we're really trying to see is why are we here on the planet? How and why and what do we want to achieve and accomplish? And that those are present in the chart. Are there certain areas or planets that would help us to really understand if we were interested in business and finance in particular? What areas or planets would you say are important to look to? So we will go by planet, sign, and houses. Okay. In the traditional order, planet, signs, and houses. Oftentimes in shamanic astrology. And, and this is interesting. It's among the financial and vocational astrology realm. Different astrologers will have different take on how do you see vocation, livelihood, career, legacy. From a shamanic astrology perspective, we always say it's the path of the soul. From the moon to the rising, the ascendant, the rising, via the Mars or the Venus. Okay. Oftentimes, it's interesting, like any shamanic astrologer, we will ground every question in life back to what is your moon position? 
what is your Mars and Venus position, and what is your rising sign position. Mm. And because this is a career question, we will also blend the midheaven into the equation. So I will say that start off with these five planets. Mm -hmm. These five planets, what sign are they? What houses are they in? And what aspects do they have with one another? This will sound like rocket science for people who are, who are not familiar with astrology. But trust me, we will go very slow. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, the moon is where we come from, our, where we are born, our innate mastery, what we are good at. That is how we get our sense of security. What in shamanic astrology, what we have done over a past lifetime, many multiple lifetimes, mm -hmm. born into this lifetime, having a PhD in your moon to, to use that PhD to pursue what you need, where you need to go, which is your Mars, your Venus, and your rising sign. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, it's interesting, like vocation, moon definitely has something to play in it. But oftentimes, I am a classic example. My moon is in Virgo. Oftentimes, Virgo is the sign of analysis, of discrimination. And, and analyst is, is a very good word. Analyst is a very good word for Virgo. In my early 20s, I, I, I was good at it. I automatically master it easily because I've done it through multiple lifetimes. And I, I pursue business. I pursue analysts. I pursue thinking. I pursue studying tremendously in my early 20s mm -hmm. to come until a point whereby something is off. Like, like it's, uh, this is not fulfilling anymore. Actually, what do I want? which is when I step into my Mars, Venus, and rising sign. And yeah, it, it kind of it is like a trajectory arc whereby the Mars and the Venus for men and women, the famous John Gray book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Mm -hmm. It is not to say that because of men, purely Mars, because of women, purely feminine, purely Venus, mm -hmm. we all have inner masculine and feminine within. The famous analogy I like to use, it's kind of like the pilot and the co-pilot mm -hmm. driving the plane so from where you come from to where you need to go mm -hmm. depending on the signs of your mars and your venus and each each sign itself tells so much inclination purpose why they are here what are they aligned what are they drawn to and what is the area that they will explore and that itself is like it's if you're if you choose a vocation a career a business that is aligned to what you are meant to do anyway Every day is play instead of work. Right. That kind of situation. Ah, so just to take yeah. a pause there. So for those that are fresh, because mm. um, I suspect some will be, mm. you can get your astrology chart for free on the internet. Astro Cafe is an easy one. So you put in your birth details yeah. and it'll show you this chart. And then you look for where these planets are. So where your moon sign is, your Mars, your Venus. And your Mars and your Venus are like your co-pilots taking you like Carway's saying to your final destination, which is your rising ascendant. And so for a career, if you are looking at the house placement and the sign placement of that Mars and Venus and your career choice is actually reflective of those, then this is how work feels like play. This is how, you know, you really feel aligned in your soul. So can we use, can you like give us an example of yours or something so we can kind of really understand what that feels like in an example? All right. Before I get to that, so the rising and the midheaven, the rising is the life purpose, the dharma, that who we are meant to be. Whereas the midheaven, it's how we are meant to contribute to the world. The top part of the chart versus the eastern rising point of the chart. Mm. And oftentimes, if you know someone very close, who they are in public image and life is very different than who they are as a person on an equal one-to-one -one level. Yes. That is the difference between the ascendant and the midheaven. Mm, okay. So on, on the most easy entry level, it is to look at the moon, Mars and Venus, your rising and the midheaven. What signs are those planets in or mm -hmm. those points in? And particularly if they have to deal with the earth signs or the earth houses, which is the sign of Taurus, Virgo or Capricorn, mm -hmm. which I know, Rihannon, your second... 6 and 10 house are the earth houses. It has a more traditional sense of, of career embedded to it. Okay. I will explain the general before using my chart as a case study. So for example, if people have a predominantly earth chart to them, you and I both have predominantly earth charts. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of Virgo and Capricorn. You have a lot of Virgo and Jupiter and Capricorn. That these type of earth-oriented people are more oriented towards the field of money, the field of assets, the field of work, the field of career, 
the field of contribution. People who predominantly have an earth, predominantly earth signs in their chart, again, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, or they have a lot of the previously mentioned planets, Moon, Mars, Venus, Midheaven is definitely most likely in the 10th house. So Moon, Mars, Venus, or Sun, in either one of these houses, the 2nd, the 6th, and the 10th houses, there is a heightened priority, a heightened focus in the realms of money, job, or career in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, Rhiannon, you have your entire Virgo stellium in the 10th house, mm-hmm. which, which is very beautiful by itself. Like The way you show up in your career in the 10th house is through the lens of Virgo, the Virgo, the sign of Virgo. Mm-hmm. It is to do with purity, to do with consciousness, to do with ritual and ceremony, mm-hmm. to do with inner introspection and inner purification. Mm-hmm. It is literally bringing a sense of divination and worship and consciousness to your entire career, whatever career you choose from the past to the future. Mm-hmm. So resonant for me, because that is what I'm doing. These are like the interesting nuances to it. And it's interesting because you're a case study whereby the sun and the Venus is in the 10th house. Likely you will notice early on in life that there is a lot of pursuance towards what is the legacy I want to leave behind for the future generation? What is the contribution? What is my career and livelihood? Ultimately, how do I master my self-authority? Everything on the 10th house. Self-authority, self-leadership, self-consciousness, the value I create to the world, the contribution I make, the legacy I will leave behind, which is these are all inner attributes mm-hmm. manifested in your career of choice your how you interact with the world, your social interactions in your community, in your career choice, in your contribution. It's Mm. this magical thing that we can describe the inner experience to the outer choice. The inner and the outer is so mirroring one another through the astrological chart. It's so cool Mm. because for me, like as many of the listeners know, and you probably know, I started my first business when I was 10. And like that to me was fun, like going out and drumming up customers and creating all of the structure and putting it all together. (laughs) So yes, it was like, I wanted to work right away, Um, right away. I wanted to. Yeah. Very, very aligned. Like it it feels very right. Mm -hmm. It feels effortless. You feel like you're in flow. You feel like you're meant to do this. Mm -hmm. And this is the feeling like following this bliss, following this calling, following this aliveness. That is the invitation and astrology is funny. People know this. People innately know this. And astrologers often mirror to them what is installed in the chart. And they are given permission, validation, like a finally an acknowledgement to really just be who they are mm. beyond what the society tells them to be. I love that. So mm. for listeners that are here with us right now and you're feeling like you're not in alignment in your career and you're feeling like something just doesn't feel right, or it feels heavy, or it feels forceful, or like every Monday you have doom because you don't want to go, then ding, 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 ding. It's time to look at your astrology chart, and likely we will be able to confirm that, yeah, you're, you're not in the space that you're supposed to be. And again, this is, I think, something that is a major subconscious belief that's been programmed into us that work has to be hard and that you have to endure and that it's difficult. And that is not true, that when you find your aligned work and calling, just like you said, you can earn you know, great money, you can make great contribution, but it's feels so good. It feels so in flow. And that is so new economy. That's our hope for all of us as we transition into this new age, that we can radically feel our true essence and dharmic contribution being aligned with the work that we do. So that's so, so cool. A lot there. And the magical thing I always... Likely conscious economy, you guys definitely know and share this concept of Ikigai before. Mm-hmm. Literally the entire four quadrant by the Japanese, the Japanese wisdom. And I will bring it up. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it's the four quadrants to career, what the world needs, what you're good at, what you love, and what you can get paid for. Like it's the new economy, the new conscious economy, especially after COVID, double up after COVID, whereby people are making a major career transition away from the nine to five, the desk job, the do I really do work this on this same job until I retire and I and, and I die, that, that kind of situation. 
it's really a new f- lens of perspective, a mindset, a worldview. This entire framework of what the world needs, what you're good at, what do you love, and what can you get paid for? Mm-hmm. How do we integrate all of a yes for all of these four questions? And it needs not to be a direct answer. It takes years and years. Yes. Oftentimes, you and I can attest to the amount of years we slowly get here and yes. to be very fulfilled at work. And yes. it, it sustains us, livelihood, legacy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me was, and, and this was transformatory when I first heard it back then in 2019. If you're familiar with Vision Lakiani from Mind Valley, yes. the big talk that I hear is changing the consciousness of work. Yes. We are undergoing a revolutionary shift in the consciousness of work. Yes. I recommend everyone to listen to that, to watch that, that, that video. It's, it's life-changing for me. Mm. And the, the, the key essence of it is work was once a necessity for financial and material production. Work was once a job and a career was once to seek power, influence, and status. It used to be very physical intensive. We work to play and live. And the funny part is right now, the interesting revolutionary part is the turning of the ages that we are in. Work is now identity production, Mm. superhuman activation, servicing an emotional and spiritual calling, Mm. seeking life meaning and transcendence. Work is now personal impact contribution, making a difference, Mm. a shared co-vision, collaboration. Work is play and life itself instead of work to play and live life itself. Mm. And that back then, that that blew my mind. (laughs) That really blew my mind on the possibilities, the future that we are going. This is so appropriate for this podcast and this conversation because this is exactly the movement that we are trying to support. And we didn't create this. This is coming from, you know, the ethers. This this new template, this new ideology is being downloaded onto the planet. And as we open ourselves and if we can keep our vessel clear and, you know, so I've done a lot of clearing of my own instrument, my own body in order to be able to access these frequencies. And as these frequencies come through, we start to be inspired and want to create the infrastructure of the new economy. And so, you know, we just had a beautiful end of year meeting with all the conscious economics team and it felt like we were with family, like we felt like we were at a big harvest table with all of our beautiful, like fresh food, laughing, sharing, loving, opening with intention for our meeting, lighting the candles, you know, being in ritual, being in service, and all of us talking about what we are building, we don't ever see like a retirement or a stopping. Like I said, like at my funeral, you make that business speech about the new economy. And we were like laughing, but it's true because this is it, like to live for this and just be so ignited in helping shift that consciousness and that work or the idea of work is its own entity. And obviously different places on the planet, it may be you know, slightly different. But if I think about the West here and the grueling ideology around work and this slavery almost, you know, chained to the desk, chained to the nine to five. And this is why some industries like the alcohol industry do so well off of this idea that we're miserable and the only way to like let loose and have fun is to numb essentially before you have to go back and do it again. And all of that is just interesting that you watch this change in work and you're also watching our younger generation have this sober curious movement that's happening. Like, is it not uncanny that that movement is happening too at the same time? It's so magical that like on one side, we all have our individual unique life path and dharma. And on a collective level, we are going through very intense, very rapidly changing times at itself. And there's a personal intention and a global intention. How does these two merge together to co-create that great, greater intention from the great beyond, the great mysteries? And different Mm. people respond differently in this great transition itself. And... It's, it's so fascinating. Like astrologers, we are star, we are sky watchers, we are trend seekers, we are pattern recognizers that we continue to observe and pattern recognize and map out the different manifestations, the different possible permutations, the possibility of the same set of astrological movement 
in different aspects of life and in different people, in different generations, in different situations. It's always fascinating. Like I'm so passionate about this this mm. topic, and I'll be a lifelong student of this topic the, until the day I die and I pass, and probably the next lifetime, maybe, maybe not. It, it's my teacher always say that like people who are aligned to astrology early on in life, this is not their first round. They have done this in past lifetimes, mm. and they will into what is needed to continue on in the next lifetime. That resonates for me too. I know in our next life, we'll be astrologers (laughs) together. (laughs) I'm sure. This podcast is brought to you by Mindfulness and Money. Mindfulness and Money is our new annual membership program designed to meet you where you are at and thoughtfully help you heal your issues with money. Join Asil Albaba, our in-house financial therapist, and myself, Rhiannon Rosalind, as we help you uncover all the deep-seated blocks that are preventing you from living your most authentic, powerful expression with money and out in the world. So if you're interested in joining, you can go ahead to consciouseconomics.ca and click on mindfulness and money to find out how to sign up. There's also a free trial option for those of you that want to dip your toe in before making a commitment for the year. The program is designed to be a democratized access for financial coaching and financial therapy. We have some very accessible pricing for you with options within as well so that you can make your own conscious decision what you are able to afford as you start this healing journey. We hope to see you there. We have been talking, obviously, like just in this last piece that we're talking about, we are really talking about the future of work and what is the yeah. future look like around the consciousness of work. And the future of currency is also something that for me is downloading into this idea of, you know, never mind a, a mono currency, like there's only one currency. I picture multiple, multiple currencies. And I don't just mean financial. So I picture microcurrencies, I picture digital currencies, cryptocurrencies, all of these things. But I also envision other things being currency like health and well-being, like art and creativity, like emotional intelligence, all being currencies that we will use in this new future economy. What does the astrology say around this new future of work and the future of currency? Like, I know that's a very big loaded question, but what can we expect in the next 10 years? Could you maybe point to some big themes that are coming through in the transits for the next five to 10 years around this particular theme? This is in itself like a three hour, <laughs> a three hour question. We can go very rabbit hole on this, but it's interesting. So Again, we are getting into very murky realm. To some people, this may seem like prediction, but astrologically, I assure you, it is not prediction. It is intention. What does the planets and the aspects and the movement has installed? What is the greater learning intention and lesson here for humanity, in short? And this is really in the realms of financial astrology, which I profess I'm no expert in, but I know something about what is coming to share slightly about how to best prepare ourselves. And if anyone were to be interested in financial astrologies, you can look it up on Google. There are tons of famous financial astrologers who are in this field. Ray Merriman is one of the most famous ones that I study under. And yeah, like, it is scary. Like the, the famous quote always, they say it's millionaires do not use astrology, billionaires use astrology. By the famous JP Morgan, that it's likely in the realm of finance, in investment, you know that what is fundamental analysis to find the value, technical analysis to find the movement, and financial astrology to find the future incoming trends. And these itself, like it, when you apply all three together, they all say, say the same picture, which is funnily, they all show the same direction and the same picture. So astrology, again, it's, it's just like a natal chart, a person's life. It validates a lot of the trends that we are seeing right now. So to make a financial astrology over five and 10 years future very short, we are transitioning from an age of earth to an age of air. A lot of things to do with money, to do with job, to do with career, will transition from a very earth-based economy, aka industrial revolution, material accumulation, Mm -hmm. hoarding, capitalistic society, centralization, governmental top-down control, 
capitalistic corporate CEO to a bunch of staff and employees, it will transition from this kind of economy. And, and again, from in terms of value, it is cohort cash. It is money and mineral, that kind of value, tangible property, things mm. that you can touch, you can see, you can taste. It is mm-hmm. transitioning to the realms of the air, whereby it is all about human ideas, human creativity, human ingenuity. That money turns from material to digital, turns from tangible to intangible. And it's not only money, it is value too. People would used to value security and safety back then. I need to have the house. I need to have my own food source. I need to own my own things. Private ownership will turn to the air. Collective ownership, sharing economy will turn to decentralization that everybody owns something and we will share. It will turn to co-visioning, whereby instead of one top CEO or one top chairman driving the show, we come together in organization, co-creating this organization, which is famous called DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Literally, everyone exists everywhere in the world, so digitally connected. It's the, the rise of digital nomadism. People would be able to connect anywhere across any time zone, across any place on earth. And people are collaborating with one another across nation, borders, boundaries, skin color, all that very merging of the world. And the funny thing is hierarchy, structure, top-down power control, whereby you respond to a boss, that kind of situation, there is a hierarchical control, will turn more decentralized. In the realm of the job, likely it will be more equal peer collaboration. Everybody mm-hmm. heads their own specialty department. They are responsible for it, but they chip in opinions, consults, points of view to make create where they are going. I love it so much. I feel like we at Conscious Economics are already living it. We're starting to function in this way. And I acknowledge COVID as a catalyst for speeding up this transition in such a massive, massive way. So what I find on the ground right now is that in speaking, I have many, many friends and colleagues and contacts that are in high corporate because of my background in running the Economic Club of Canada. And speaking to so many, it doesn't matter if they're mid-level management workers or if they're top-level executives, people are feeling very disenfranchised with that system right now. And some of the work that we are trying to do is help corporate transition their infrastructure so that they can actually retain some talent, retain innovation. I really believe everything is useful. So I always see a use for even something that's discarded. So if you think of an old corporate structure, yes, it may need to be disassembled, but there's still parts that are usable as opposed to just like throw it all away. Is that something that you can see? I know with Pluto moving out of Capricorn, this is even more so, right? Because we think of Capricorn as that government institution, as all of the major associations. So with that transition, do you see that it's still going to be possible for these organizations to still exist, but just to to change and evolve? Or will they not even exist as we know them? The answers lie in the question itself. You choose to transform, else you will likely be obsolete. The interesting thing about this transition is corporates have been going bankrupt, jobs have been going obsolescence, value has been shifting throughout time itself. We have gone through this a lot of times. And the resilience of the human spirit, the adaptability, the, the, the potential, the aliveness of it all, it may seem like a lot of doom and gloom of AI whereby people have hyperactive concerns and fear out of what the unknown that is about to come. But Anyone who is living right now, especially millennials or Gen Z, younger, that they will get in their entire lifetime to see the most pivotal shift. So to recap back, anyone alive now, doesn't matter their generation, has not seen such a big transition that is about to come between 2020 to 2030. It is literally the final 10 years of the turning of the ages. It is the shift from earth to air whereby life will seem very, very, very different if you look back to 2023 when you're at 2030. The way we conduct business, the way we communicate, the way we interact, the way we exchange value will seem very, very different from what is about to come, especially in the next few years when Pluto permanently implants itself in Aquarius. Yes. 
I mean, for me, my whole body is like buzzing. Like I'm excited about that because it also, just to say like, it's so much has to change. Like this is not functional. Hello. Like it's not functional anymore. And that's what we see correlated with like mental health issues, addiction issues, sickness, sadness, depression, you know, destruction of the planet. Like it's clearly time for us to evolve. But with that said, and I know shamanic astrology is very careful not to vilify planets or certain movements, but everything does sort of have its light and shadow side. Are there some shadow or like gentle warnings around some of the pieces that we have to be mindful of? Because this sounds great, like all of the digital nomad and it's a more collective co-creation instead of traditional hierarchy. Like I'm wagging my tail at all of those things, but what are some of the difficult things that we might want to be aware of as well during this next shift between now and 2030? Oh, the light and the shadow question. Very beautiful. And there's so many things. We are just merely zooming into one but many aspects that is coming up over the next 10 years. The, the biggest being Pluto shifting into Aquarius. It, it happens every 240 years. Pluto shifts a sign every 20 years. Some faster, some slower, as we shared before. But every 240 years, it will come back to the same sign which right now, we are having that shift right now into Aquarius. And funnily, a little bit of world history. Back when Pluto was in Aquarius, the, the last round, when Pluto was in Aquarius, the last round, it was the time of Renaissance and revolution. It was around the period of the French Renaissance. Yes. And a major time whereby major technological innovation and revolution comes. Mm. Again, these two statements itself points towards technological innovation, and it points towards potential global conflict, potential uprising, potential propaganda and revolution that is happening either in, in one country itself or amongst country. We yet to witness what is about to come. But the light and the shadow, which is always is the sign of Aquarius is in focus right now. Mm -hmm. The sign of Aquarius, the light is always higher consciousness, detachment, higher truth, seeking the edge of consciousness itself. Spirituality, like a lot of the realms of spirituality will turn more mainstream. People mm -hmm. will be more open to seeking truth itself. What does it mean to be there? And the more famous thing, which is the shadow of Aquarius that people mm -hmm. talk about, the shadow of Aquarius is oftentimes disconnection from the human reality. It turns from carbon to silicon, that you live in a silicon-based economy that is devoid of carbon, biology, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul interaction, that everything is logical, it is practical, it is ones and zeros, that kind of thing. And likely you've seen a lot of negative manifestation of people in that community being very engrossed in the entire scientism view. Everything yeah. must be science, everything must be proven, there is no spirituality, the spiritual yeah. is, is all, you can prove it so it's not real. There will be a split, likely, of the mm -hmm. light and the shadow. Certain population will be into the light and certain population will be very into the shadow. And this sensation, the polarity that we will experience in that entire age of Aquarius. Another big theme that comes, it's mob rule society. Mm. Because when decentralization is taken so much to an extreme, people surrender their sovereignty and autonomy. People don't decide, don't think, don't align what is true for themselves. They go by the collective good, the collective good, utilitarianism, mm -hmm. that it is a loss of self. It is literally mob rule situation. Mm, that's the shadow side. Because I always think of Aquarius as celebrating the sovereign individual, like Aquarius being like, everyone be your weirdest, most individual self, essentially. And that is the solution to the Aquarian shadow. Uh, and oftentimes the Leo and the Aquarius axis, they are both examining, investigating autonomy and sovereignty. Leo does it on an individual level. Aquarius does it on a collective level. What does it mean to champion sovereignty and autonomy, freedom of choice, consent, boundaries on a collective level? But mm. I am so blended into the collective level that I lose my own. That's why astrological signs are always seen in axis and pairs. They mm. can never, like, when we ever talk about Aquarius, we will always talk about the opposite sign, the balancing force, which is Leo. A lot of Leo qualities, understanding the, that we are divine, we are radiant, we are enough since we were born, we are autonomous, sovereign, creative beings. Mm. 
mm-hmm. without needing to prove to one another that we need to prove our worth, oftentimes that balances a lot of shadow of occurs. And it's this beautiful harmony and dynamic polarity that we will struggle between self and collective in every situation that we are in. Mm, so interesting. Mm. And what about like, obviously, Aquarius is very high level technology. And I think mm. on the light side, we can see the importance of the conscious technology, the organic technology, the human technology that we possess that we don't even, most of us even know how to scratch the surface of understanding. So I feel like that comes into play. But there's also this like transhumanism piece. There's the artificial intelligence AI piece, which has, I think, light potential and also some shadow potential. What do you see around the technology piece? This is getting to edgy territory. (laughs) And I will profess my biases. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll profess my biases. I'm very carbon instead of silicon. I'm very biology instead of technology. I believe that technology, AI, quantum computing, same as money, is but a tool to move human evolution and embodiment forward. So you, you nail it like very beautifully because it's the consciousness behind the technology. Yes. Again, technology until they can AI themselves and and surpass human being, which potentially that may happen. We will see. Until then, it is really the consciousness behind the human being programming all of these technologies. And it's a choice point. Do I feel focus on silicon, the technology, mm-hmm. and make it everything and detach my humanity, my truth, my consciousness and embodiment? Or do I double down on consciousness, our individual dharma, our individual authenticity, our individual truth, and utilize technology or money or communication or the network, but a means towards that goal? To support that. Yeah, exactly. I'm on that train. We would really never know what is about to come, but based on the astrological transit, technology, and this is a different aspect. This is the aspect whereby Pluto is in the Aquarius. In 2027, all right, it's a few years, 2026 to 2028 maybe, it's a few long years transit, Pluto in Aquarius will trine Uranus in Gemini. Both air signs, both technological transformatory kind of planets. Back when Pluto conjunct Uranus back then, a few hundred years ago, we went through massive revolution, massive uprising, massive technological obsolescence and improvement. That was when the conjunct, when two planets are two together. When we are in a trine in the next few years, 120 degrees, the triangle aspect. Triangles often mean harmony. If, mm-hmm. for example, you sit in a pair of trees, a pair mm-hmm. of trees, it's very harmonious instead of one-to-one directly. These two planetary aspects in their own sign, the sign of air, technology, communication, technological, transport, networking, that entire realm, mm-hmm. are in a harmonious relationship. That itself like, literally is the exponential age, the networking. The, the acceleration of, of human connection, human movement, human migration, human mm. project, human project and startups through this entire technological realm. And mm. whether humans use it for or ill, it's something yet we have yet to, to see. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing these pieces. And, you know, we're living it. We're living it right now. We're witnessing it. We're watching it. We're in it. So to me, I find comfort in hearing some of these pieces and seeing the astrology. It makes it feel, I don't know what the word is, but it just feels a little bit more settled that we know that this is actually the way it's supposed to be right now. It's supposed to feel like we're in this transition. We're supposed to be questioning questioning everything right now. And yeah, I think just the most important thing that my heart wants to support happening is for people to remember their true humanity, to remember that we are the most advanced technology on the planet right now is in these bodies, is in this ability to expand ourselves and to enlighten ourselves and that we haven't even scratched that surface. And if we had half, even a fraction of the interest that we have in outer technology in our inner technology, we would be in such a different space right now. So I think that that is just so imperative that we don't outpace the outer technology to the inner technology. That 
that's the shadow opportunity that I think is very scary. And we are already in a spot where there's an imbalance there right now with just the pace of the outer technology and where many of the collective are at in the inner technology. We have some catch-up work to do. Well, hopefully and luckily with the grace of the speedy Aquarius, it'll be quick and we can use some of the network and technology to advance it. So that is really exciting. I love this, Carway. Thank you so much for this amazing, amazing conversation. I think because there's so much unfolding and happening, if you're open to it, I'd love to kind of have you back again and keep doing some updates for our audience as people learn. And and so where would you recommend people to go if they are hearing this right now and they're just so interested in learning more? Where would you direct them? And also, how do they get in touch with you um, if they want to do a personal personal reading for themselves. All right. So we are very blessed in the age of air we are in right now. A lot of contents are freely available online right now. I can name drop a few interesting ones that was pivotal in my in my learning journey. So in terms of astrology, there are a lot of astrologers outside. So I first and foremost always share the turning of the ages mystery school, totems. Mm-hmm. Totems uh, with Daniel Gemario as the founder. He will help a lot on understanding the spiritual side of astrology. What is our life dharma? What are we meant to do and be here here? And oftentimes, the the great introductory resource, he has tons of free YouTube videos filmed online. The great introductory resource is the app called The Pattern. Everyone should have it. Call all your friends and your family members to download it. It is really a a tool (laughs) for everyone. Like it's... (laughs) It's, it's, it's an app by, by, by my teacher. He, he offloaded his brain into the app. It's non-astrological. It is written so that the normal human being, in plain English, in short, can understand it. Non-astrological woo-woo, like what we're saying, that it stirs something in people. That is a helpful starting point. And if that interests a lot of people to know deeper, go down to the free YouTube videos, go down to the, his book. He, he only has two, which is... Mm-hmm. It changed my life. The book changed my life, literally, at age 28. His books, his video, his content, those are very good starting points into a spiritual, non-predictive, non-fated view of astrology, Mm -hmm. the empowerment instead of the disempowerment type of astrology. As for vocation, Judith Hill is always a good person to go to. Judith Hill, again, all the astrologers I'm sharing are like 60, 70 years old, elders, conscious people in their field over... 40, 30 years, Judith Hill is a very good person to look for vocational astrology. Okay. What career am I meant to do? As for business and financial astrology, Ray Merriman is a very good person to go down on. And again, the nature of technology and decentralization now, by Googling their name, you will find tons of resources and materials and even their own school to sink your teeth into if you're interested. Wow. So those are the... The general first recommendation that I, I recommend to, and again, there's a lot of young and upcoming astrologers among the millennial generation right now. If the old, the old people are not your cup of tea, <laughs> again, there are tons of younger generation with that younger sense of language, you know, no communication barrier that you can choose to explore. The Astrology Podcast, classic one by Chris Bannon. Everyone should know it. Like it's really modern astrology, nightlight astrology. And the name is Adam Allen Bass. Okay. He's also another good person. Likely you will like it too, Rina Hannon, like because you and I have a lot of Virgo and Capricorn. They have a lot yeah. of Capricorn. They explain it very structurally. I like the explanation. Okay. And yeah, that those are up and coming, rising young astrologers in our generation that is doing massive good work to the astrological community that people can get started on. Thank you so much for those recommendations. And where can people find you? And what is your specialty? Because you have specific specialty. So if you want to share that. I currently do not have a podcast or a YouTube channel yet. People have been asking me for it. But for personal reasons, I haven't delved into that realms. I much prefer talking to people on other people's podcasts. But people can find me through my website. Predominantly, my website is the best place to find me. Literally just my name, Lee Carway, L-E-E. K-H-A-R-W-E-I.com. I practice shamanic astrology, humanistic, soul, spiritual oriented astrology. Predominantly, the, the key phrase I like to use is to assist one another in their journey of becoming back to their authentic being through aligned, inspired doing. Mm. 
Literally, there is a blueprint set for each of us, the astrological blueprint. And it is my role here to assist people, to help people gain a sense of self-awareness, self-knowing, self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-alignment, self-transcendence towards where they need to be, mm. be it in their self, in relationship, in the, the times that they're in, the age and the time that they're in, in parenting and in health. I'm also quite a adept medical astrologer, mm. using astrology to look at what is the natal excess and deficiency? How, how do we have a health plan for this person? And on a preventative level, not on the allopathic problem-solving level, on a mm. preventative level, so that people live with maximum aliveness and vitality. Mm, I love that. I'm going to book a health session with you. And I just will say to everyone that's listening right now, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, Carway has done individual readings for all of our team at Conscious Economics. And then me, the astrology nerd, I've gone back and listened to everyone. Everyone shared their personal readings with me. And I just like that was my love language to listen to their soul blueprint and then be able to help them in positioning their career and their roles to align with that. And it's been so profound. So thank you so much, Carway. Thank you for your time. I know it's late where you are, although it's early where I am because we're on opposite sides of the planet. But it is just so beautiful to always connect with you. So much wisdom that you have. I know you say you're a grasshopper, but you have done this before. I can feel it. So it's yeah. it's beautiful. Thank you, Carway. Thank you to Rhiannon and Oof, the entire conscious economic team for doing massive, massive humanitarian positive work to the world. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And for those of you that are interested in learning more, we'll try to put some of those resources that were mentioned in the show notes. I also invite all of you to definitely go to consciouseconomics.ca, check out some of the offerings that we have available. We are running our cohort of mindfulness and money. For those of you that are ready to dive into really healing your relationship with money. So please, please, please uh, check it out. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you again next time on the Conscious Economics Podcast. Bye for now.